This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome back to the Outdoor Drive Podcast. This is your boy, East Coast Trev, and... This is Steve. And... Lane. What's up? <laughs> this is kind of, really kind of weird, honestly, because this is like half of our dream that we wanted to do with the drive. We're, we're halfway there, Steve. You're, you're literally <laughs> on the drive, so you're sitting in a truck <laughs> with Lane. Go ahead and give a quick rundown what the hell it is you guys are doing. So, you know, like we had always talked about with the drive was, you know, was that envision to go out and hunt with people and podcast while we're on the road. So that's literally what we're doing. We're down in Maryland for opener. We came down here on Monday and we've been hunting the past two days and tomorrow will be day number three. Um, we got on some birds and uh, things were all right on Monday. They went on to private and then yesterday or today was just an absolute and utterly blowout. It was absolutely horrible, dude. Like 50 mile an hour winds. It was horrible. Oh yeah. Terrible, man. <laughs> so, um, Lane from in the presence, we've had a podcast with him in the past. Lane Hauser, um, has a YouTube channel and we've been down here filming in Maryland. It's just absolutely insane down here. It, it's a, it's a wild place. But you guys, the, the timing was really shitty. I'm not going to lie. Like, you got there right as this weird-ass storm hit. Like, we got three inches of snow yesterday. And then we got more snow this morning. Luckily, all you got was wind. So, there's that. There was some rain last night. There was some rain last night. But, yeah. <laughs> it was some rain. I mean, it, it, Bro, it was like, it was like, I don't even know. It was like a tsunami down here it was 50 mile an hour winds i thought my truck was gonna tip over there was wind absolute, car car I, car, car yeah car oh yeah the car i forgot about the car um and um <laughs> it was it, like extensive flooding it was just insane and then we got into the woods this morning um on a spot that that lane knew we got in here and um the wind was just howling so much we we started trekking down through this block of timber 
and we ended up getting right underneath that hen. Yeah, the hen was right underneath her. I kind of stood. I kind of stood out from the cover there. Like we were just kind of taking steps. I was right above you, dude. You know that hen exploded up out of the tree. And we we're trying to like strike up a gobble, strike up the gobble, running, running and gunning, running and gunning. We didn't hear a gobble all day long. Like it was absolutely horrible. That's absurd. Um, and and one of the things that we're doing is we're staying completely and utterly mobile. We're bouncing around from place to place, um, moving from Walmart to Walmart, kind <laughs> of like all over Maryland. H- like, hence the Walmart cooking bacon. All, <laughs> it, props on that. That was, <laughs> that was that great. That was lunch. So <laughs> oh, even good. better. We're eating good. That's all that, that was lunch. It was bacon. So we did frozen chicken patties with bacon and cheese cooked in the Walmart parking lot off the tailgate. Um, tonight is flat iron steaks after we're done roasting up some, I mean, roosting up some birds, hopefully roasting. <laughs> yeah. Roasting would be better, but, oh man, it's just, I don't know. It's something else, dude. It's, it's something what we've always envisioned wanted to do. So that's what we're doing, man. We're yeah. just down here, just hoping for the best and hoping to kill a bird, man. That's we're a good time, do- man. I'm glad you guys are out there getting to enjoy and it, it sucks. Cause you're literally like two and a half hours from me and I'm stuck down here grinding, working. But I know it's it's what it's about. You guys are there mm-hmm. and you're doing it. It's it's kind of crazy because so um, we got to talking uh, the three of us um, and what we're actually going to do is, well, I hopefully if we get a kill. Right. I mean, we're going to we're going to kill some, but we're going to kill. Some. It's going to happen. So we I know. So what we're going to end up doing all in all, we're doing a collaboration with in the presence um, with Lane and we're going to do a two part series where. We'll do part one either on in the presence or on work on the outdoor drive. <laughs> I, why am I? I don't, I don't know, why. know why you were going I that way, know, but uh, what, I don't even it's know good. What that, good catch. What that was all about. And so we're going to do half of it on um, in the presence and then the other half on the outdoor drive podcast um, YouTube page. So it'll be kind of like a little two part kind of they do two part series with podcasts and stuff. So we're, we're thinking we're going to try and do something. On the YouTube side. Yeah. Mix it up. A little shared love. Yes, sir. Be good. Yeah, well. We appreciate it, Lane. <laughs> yeah, buddy. That's fun, man. Hopefully Trev can shoot a bird first. I'll follow up. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I don't care who shoots the damn bird. Someone shoot a bird. Oh, Trev's shooting first, bud. Trev's shooting first. There you go. Jake and all, it doesn't really matter, honestly, if it's legal. I, I think we're gonna knock it down. I think with the time that we spent and seeing these birds and stuff hopefully a long beard but i mean i'm telling you where you guys are when something commits it's going to be a doozy that area in um western maryland is got some of the biggest birds i've ever seen so when something commits it's going to be worth it absolutely man i you know and and we were real close the first day i mean the first day was insane i mean as you guys will see in the video when we piece this thing together is you know we got in there um the first spot we had a couple of a couple of hens had run across the road i think it was and we decided that's where we we're going to go in which i don't know if that was a smart decision or not like but there was turkeys right so we knew we were going to get in that block of woods and kind of not really knowing the area so we get in that block of woods we tried striking the gobble striking the gobble nothing and then lane's like dude we got to go down further we got to get farther into this block so we're like all right let's go down there's a creek bed we're like let's go down there we saw it on the map so we get down there and at that point was right around fly down time. And we were trying to like hit the, hit the owl call to kind of get them to pop off. 
and nothing. And I'm like, dude, I said, it's all or nothing at this point. I said, it's, it's about fly down time. I says, I'm going to give it to him. And he's like, let's do it. So I give him the old, the old uh, cheating hen from Nor'easter game calls and they lit right up. So we should have, I think, looking back on it, been a little bit more aggressive and kind of really move right in on them. But with the woods being the way that it was set up, we weren't really sure if it was a good idea. So we just stayed kind of on the tote road and we tried calling him down and he just flew down and he started going the opposite direction. So then that's when we kind of like fl- tried flanking around him, and we struck up a ton of gobbles, but the hens just kind of drove him off in the, in the wrong direction. Yeah. Um, so, and it, we just it kinda seems to be like we're, we're a little early in the season here compared to usual. Um, they're really hand up. Whereas usually by now they're kind of breaking away by that 10 o'clock period. And another thing you brought up, which really made me laugh is uh you were out hooting and doing all of that and you didn't get anything back until you hit the reed and the same thing happened to us yesterday morning on our pre-work hunt the one we did the video on youtube yesterday uh literally got to the base of that hill and came into those pines and was like i i don't like the way the pines look there's gonna be a bird there i just let me throw an owl hoot you know so i did the old uh clint casper you know and <laughs> nothing and just just dead silent nothing. i was like okay we should be good i walked about 20 more feet and we blew two hens and a freaking tom out of the pines and i was like why did they not strike well right after in the video you see you know the jakes come in and they come in and do their thing and bail and we ended up having like six owls on top of that hill that was behind them just start hammering for 20 minutes. I was like, they're so freaking used to it, they're not going to shot gobble to it. So I was like, next time we go in there, I'm taking the freaking coyote howler. See, I, 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 I'm not against it, right? But I've seen a lot of negativity come from it where those birds will stay in the roost a lot longer with that. If you're going to do it at night, then I understand it. But in the morning... I've had it where those birds literally lock into that tree for so much longer. And, and I I get that. It makes sense because, you know, there's a predator on the ground. But if I blow it on the far side of where we think they are from where we're hunting. So, you know, Virginia mountains and ridges, you've seen them. If I blow from the far side where I don't want them and then scuttle around to the side I do want them and set up. <laughs> so you're using it as like I, a drive. <laughs> literally pushing them my way. But if yeah. I can locate them before we go in, I can go, okay, we need to go below the mountain. We need to go above the mountain, below this block of woods in the field or above it, you know, just because the damn birds, I mean, you've seen it here. They do not right. cooperate. They're a pain in the ass. See, the, I, with the, I don't know. I'm torn on the coyote call and I don't, I don't want to keep bouncing back on it, but one thing I would use over a coyote call, I think the coyote call would be like my last thing to use. Honestly, is a goose call. I would go. I would go with the goose call. Which, which agreed. And in that video, there's a, a section of video that I kept in there where we had a flock fly over, and they ended up busting like six birds as they flew over. Did they call? Did they gobble back? Oh yeah. If you listen call? through it, you'll hear yeah. the goose just quack 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 quack, and you just hear birds. Yeah. So I, I agree with you there. It's such a thing that they're so used to that time of year that the, the, those, those local geese are in the area of a lot of places that we do turkey hunt. And I was showing Lane that, and he was like, 
Dude, I can't believe that, right? <laughs> no, I never seen. I never done that before. Or seen that, honestly, like that was that was a surprise to me. And you can get them from such a far, far distance away to get them to re, to do it back. Right. Yeah. It's so. just got that high pitch, high volume that reaches. Mm. So it's crazy. But yeah, so we're we're hoping to roost up some birds tonight, and hopefully we'll have a podcast with a kill here shortly. Honestly, I'm that would be kind of cool. Honestly. Hell yeah, that'd be badass. Well, so I I wanna I wanna test your mobile skills. Oh great! How well can you remember to thank all of those people that make this happen without your book? <laughs> all right, that's that's not that hard. We'll start with Northeastern Game Calls since it's turkey season. NortheasternGameCalls.com. Uh, get them in close. The new cheating hen and the um the widowmaker mouth calls absolute fire if you guys haven't checked those out you're definitely going to want to go and check those things out they are making these gobblers gobble like no other um and he's got a couple of different other calls on there every all of your uh season needs for turkey season also we'd like to thank uh latitude outdoors latitudeoutdoors.com um i know it's not mobile deer season yet but you definitely want to be in the woods and definitely practicing these things time to, to be these learning things all it's definitely time to be learning and purchasing these things. And, you know, mobile hunting is not one thing that you can't just do, you know, right off the hip. You got to practice this stuff and get yourself, you know, comfortable with, with the gear. So get on over Latitude Outdoors and get your products now. Um, also, uh, bow, hunt, bow Fishing Magazine, uh, Nick Sampson over there. If you guys are bow fishermen or want to get into bow fishing or be part of bow fishing, go and check out bowfishingmagazine.com. It's an oh. online virtual magazine. Uh, he does a really good job with that. Um, also, uh, Dirt Road Agency, Mr. Christian Costa. If it wasn't for him, a lot of this stuff wouldn't have come to fruition. Our website, so on and so forth. If you guys haven't already, go on over to OutdoorDrive.com and check that bad boy out. Um, who else do we have? Uh, Zeus Broadheads, NewAirArchery.com, the home of the Zeus Broadheads, B16, the Aries, you name it. There is still a sale at $39.99 for a pack of three uh, Zeus broadheads. Um, I'm not sure if the Aries is on that one, but I don't think the, the Aries is on there anymore. Or, no. So, but it's not on sale, right? No. Um, Gator Outdoors, Gator Outdoors, outfitting the working class. Uh, no, it's not even that anymore. It's be the reason. That's right. Be the reason. Be the reason. Gator Outdoors, GatorOutdoors.com. Use promo code Outdoor Drive 25 on that one. Save yourself 25 percent on all the good stuff a couple new t-shirts and hats out for your turkey season uh who else are we missing um uh, can you get it because there's only that? one other network where we're being played oh the outdoor call radio how could you fit forget mr dan young himself um if you guys aren't checking out the outdoor call radio you guys are missing out on some of the best shows in the industry honestly um we got there's fred eichler's on there uh, the boys, uh, Michael Lee from Backwoods Life is on there. Um, they're all on there. It's it's a great, great show. Uh, Larry McCoy is on there with Dan. They got from cooking to fishing, you name it, it's on there. You guys definitely want to download the um, app. He's got a ton of stuff, the phrase that pays. Always giving out free stuff constantly. It's just a great network to be part of. If you guys aren't listening to the Outdoor Call Radio, you guys are missing out on life, honestly. I think it's kind of sort of all my choppy, but they're all there. No, you you nailed it, man. Well done. I'm impressed. Yeah. <laughs> all, all that Maryland 
air and you Turkey know hunting? things like that nope. have not completely ruined your head. No, just oh, the, the liberalness of the air out here. Hold on, let me breathe some of that. Uh, does it smell like <laughs> Pelosi outside? <laughs> <laughs> it totally does. Uh, oh, man. Well, buddy, what do you think? Uh, we got a good one for you, the house in the woods. But before we do that, we got to uh, check in with our buddy Mike Salter. Yeah, man, let's see what we got going on. Bringing you the news for the cruise is our good buddy, Mike Salter. Take it away, Mike. Hey everyone, let's start this one off in Montana, where the Fish, Wildlife, and Parks Region 1 has implemented new regulations for this year's black bear hunting season. For the first time, FWP is no longer requiring Region 1 hunters to bring in their harvest for inspection. Uh, this year's pilot program will only apply to Region 1, where nearly 40% of the state's black bear harvest comes from. Uh, and hunters in Region 1 will now only be required to call FWP and report their harvest within 48 hours and submit a premolar tooth uh, of their harvest within 10 days. The pilot is aimed at being more efficient, and according to FWP, if successful, it is possible that the new requirements will be expanded to other regions across the state. Now to Arkansas, where the public is being asked to help collect black bear data. Uh, the Game and Fish Commission is proposing to expand bear hunting opportunities in the state and is asking the public to report bear sightings uh, to provide critical data to the state biologists. The public will need to set up a free account on inaturalist.org and can then join the Arkansas Bear Study Project uh, to enter the data. The best information to input would be photos uh, with date and timestamps so biologists can compare animals being submitted. But observational information uh, can also be useful without a photo, uh, particularly if specific time and, and approximate location data is entered. So hopefully the data will support expansion of black bear hunting opportunities in the state. Now back to Montana where Fish Wildlife Parks uh, uncovered an error in the deer and elk uh, permit lottery. The error occurred uh, regarding first and only choice hunting districts. Hunters who applied for these districts were uh, inadvertently allowed to submit second and third choices. And those who chose second and third choices were automatically removed during the draw. Uh, the mistake uh, affected 10 districts and almost 2,500 applications. Uh, impacted applicants initially didn't see results in their My FWP accounts, and until the situation is resolved, those applicants will now see uh, temporarily that they were unsuccessful in the draw. So to fix the problem, FWP is doing the following. Hunters who submitted for districts 411-21, 447-21, and 595-21 and entered second and third choices will all receive permits. This is because the number of unallocated permits uh, after the draw is greater than the number of applicants removed from the draw. Applicants for District 270-45 will also receive permits, uh, and this is due to tags in that district being unlimited. As for applicants in districts 411 20, 417-20, 417-21, 426-20, 799-20, and 799-21, who were removed from the draw, uh, they will be entered into a random draw next week. Those who are unsuccessful in this secondary draw will receive bonus points. The second drawing is being done due to the director having discretion uh, to issue permits up to 10% above the quota. 
this 10% is being allocated to the second drawing next week. Uh, the director stated that the fair solution to this error is to use my discretion to give all impacted hunters uh, the shot at the permits they are owed. So good luck to all those getting a second chance and be sure to check your results next week. Now to Ohio, where the Wildlife Council has approved an amended uh, proposal for the 2022 fall turkey season dates and amended whitetail archery season in the three county disease surveillance area in north central Ohio. Fall turkey season will run from October 8th to November 13th, which is a reduction from a 52 to a 37 day season, uh, which matches up to the 37 day spring season. For deer season, 18 counties will increase bag limits. And uh, with the creation of the CWD surveillance zone in Hardin, Marion and Wyandotte counties, the archery season will open two weeks earlier on September 10th. Lastly, to California, where the Department of Fish and Wildlife is bringing back in-person hunter education courses, uh, which were eliminated during the pandemic. Uh, there will now be three options for completing your hunter education requirements. The first will be the traditional in-person training, uh, which is recommended and often preferred by first-time hunters and includes 10 hours of in-person instruction. Second is in a completely online option. And third is a hybrid option, which students complete the majority of the coursework online and then a four-hour four follow-up in-person class. So options to suit all the needs of any new hunter. Uh, as always, if you have anything to send to me, please send it along. Uh, I'd love to add some more news. So reach out to me at Mike Salter on Facebook or Bearded underscore Bowhunter21 on Instagram. And with that, enjoy the rest of your ride. As always, Mike Salter, if you guys aren't sending over your nudes to, I mean, the news <laughs> over to Mike, <laughs> Mike Salter. Uh, bearded, bearded bow hunter 21 on Instagram and Mike Salter on Facebook. You can also hit us up on email, um, or on our website, Instagram, all of our platforms to kind of get us over the news. So we'll get it over to Mike himself. Yeah. And you guys are slacking. I'm going to put it that way. Why are we slacking? Not you guys, the listeners. Oh, get Mike that news. Really good. <laughs> they've they've been very good about the news, honestly. Not, no, you're right. But it, if I talk shit, maybe they'll give them even more. They will give them more. Yeah, that's true. That's absolutely true. Well, Just, man, should we get on with the show? We 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 are mobily doing the intro, so we we need to go and roost some birds here. Yeah, this is the dark. best Trev will sound for this show, as you guys will hear in the episode. Um, his mobile setup did a little bit better than his home studio setup this week. So <laughs> that's right. My just, USB cord was down. Ju just, just bear with him. Um, hope the sounds good cause the show's good and, uh, it's one that hits close to home for me. So I hope you guys really enjoy does. it. All right. We're back with a good friend, Paul from house in the woods. How Paul, how are you, man? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Very good, We're, man. Thank you for taking the time to join us this evening. Awesome. I'm glad to be able to talk and see what's going on. Well, absolutely. We we certainly appreciate you uh, putting up with our technical difficulties. Um, as you can tell, Trev's not on his mic. Has uh, had some equipment malfunctions, and you've been very patient with us. So we'll start with saying thank you. No problem. It's, it's usually me that has problem with uh, technology so see i understand we're, we're here to make everyone feel better about themselves <laughs> yeah we call this uh on the podcast we call this trev's bloopers because there's always something going on where 
I always bloop her out something. Something goes on where I screw something up in life. So, uh, so Paul, you have a you have a pretty cool organization. Why don't you dive right into it? Why don't you tell everybody who you are, where you're from, and a little bit about what you do? Yeah, uh, my name's Paul House. I'm an executive director at House in the Woods, um, and I want to share why we started House in the Woods. It, it began in 2010. Um, my son served, or our son served, in the U.S. military. He was in the Army. He was a tanker. He was on the Abrams A1 tanker, what he was trained for. Um, second tour, he was out on patrol with two or three other Humvees, and they were just investigating some things, and they had a tank, and the tank moved forward, and my son's Humvee moved forward, and the enemy detonated a IED under the vehicle, uh, killed my son and three soldiers, an Iraqi interpreter. Um, that was June 23rd, 2007. That was his mother's birthday as well. Um, so needless to say, it was a tough thing to go through. Um, just one of those things, you know it could happen, hope it doesn't happen. But one of the things I said when the two soldiers came to our house that night is to people when they came to the house is God doesn't make mistakes. I said, I don't understand it all. And it hurt. It felt like somebody reached in and pulled my heart out of my chest and ripped it in shreds. And, uh, but from that, God gave us the strength to be able to start house in the woods. Uh, we had our son's funeral here in the little town. Uh, 850 people at the time, and we had 11 or 1,200 people at his funeral at the local gymnasium. Great, you know, a lot of support um, to see some of his army buddies that, that served with came to the funeral, and one of them spoke. But it was uh, it was a very powerful message that his first sergeant had uh, to the audience and other people too as well. I spoke at my son's funeral, my son did. Very difficult, but we got through it. So then we were invited to Fort Hood, Texas, um, July 19th of 07. Our son was buried July 3rd of 07. And we went down, stayed with a friend of his, uh, a couple. He was a retired Lieutenant Colonel and his wife graciously invited us to stay there during the memorial. We were escorted the next day after we arrived uh, to the on base to the chapel. I'll never forget, we went up the left side of the aisle, halfway up, and were seated. And we didn't know this. As we looked down, we counted the soldiers, including my son. There were 19 men killed that month in the cab unit. So we're in this chapel with 18 other families. And we did get to meet after the ceremony, the other three soldiers' families, and talk with them, uh, invited to the home that we were staying in, all, all four families. They had a nice catered supper for us. And long story short, the next morning I got up, went in the living room where the lieutenant colonel was sitting there reading the paper, talking about the war and what had happened, and tears flowed down my cheeks. It was one of those things that was definitely a calling by God to do this, something I really can't fully put in words. But ever since that day, it's been a, such a great passion to want to help veterans and Gold Star families. So that was in 07. And 2010, we got a certified letter from the IRS that we were 501c3. And from then, we started taking veterans on fishing and hunting trips. And to this day, we've 
We've had over 1,700 uh, come from over 30 states. Um, and we work with about 20 organizations in the country now. And the big thing is that camaraderie and it saves lives. And we've had veterans tell us that, thank you for saving my life. So that's what it's all about. It's giving them a, another chance or that camaraderie as much as we can. It's all free to them. We have home cooked meals. Um, we have a beautiful 80 by 90 lodge that's our home base, but we still travel different places in the state. And a couple of trips we'll do out of state too. So that's kind of sums it up in a nutshell, but why we started because I lost my son. So so where whereabouts is your home base? Where is it out of? We're in a little town called Lee, Maine, L-E-E. We're about 45 minutes from the Canadian border. And uh, like say, just small town people kind of tucked in the middle of nowhere. And uh, it's kind of a little, uh, I guess, getaway for veterans. They can come and relax. So I don't know if you guys uh, ever flew into Bangor, which is an hour south of us. We're, we're one hour north and like say a little town. And we usually pick a lot of the vets up right there at the airport. And I remember my son going to and from uh, Iraq that we would meet him down there when they passed through. Yep. So met some of his buddies there too as well. I think one of the, you do something very special that a lot of other organizations don't really do. And that's a, a sober environment where there is no drinking during your events. And I think that that's a very important thing that you guys do. That's a little bit different than some of these other events that they put on for some of the veterans. Yeah. The good reasons why we don't do that is uh, suicide rates high. A lot of the guys that men and women that commit suicide, alcohol, or drugs is involved. Um, I, I don't know. I don't want to say it gives them the courage to do it, but it does allow them to do things they ordinarily maybe wouldn't do. Um, and also, you know, we are dealing with guns. We have every vet has a gun in their room. Some have handguns. Uh, we have guns. Um, I guess if somebody's going to do something, they're really they're going to do it. Um, but this is some a good atmosphere they can be around and not have to worry about that because sometimes people that drink do crazy things um, we had a vet from just a recent uh, retreat that we had he was five weeks sober we did not know initially but he shared with us as the days the day went on and the next day and the third day he said thank you so much for helping me he said this was just amazing uh, being in an atmosphere where everybody was right-minded and and not no drinking allowed. And if we had had alcohol, being five weeks sober, he possibly could have gone right back to that. And he was contemplating suicide. Um, so there's many reasons why. Um, and and it, it also is, I think, upstanding. And you want to do the best you can and be the best you can when you're together right. and have the best... Uh, best time yeah and i mean i don't know personally but like i know like a lot of veterans and stuff sometimes that's their easy way out is drinking so with being in a camp with other veterans and not being able to to subject to that then they're able to understand like you could be helping them maybe in the long run not go back to that you know and stay sober or whatever show that there is a, a better 
motive to being sober and being around these people and still be able to control themselves and, and do what they need to do. Yeah, that's true. That's absolutely true. And it, it, and we've had veterans on occasion say, you know, I didn't realize I could have this much fun, so to speak, without, without drinking. And, and if you want to get high, go out in the woods and listen to the birds and the animals and ha- sit down with your buddies and have or strangers that you never met have home cooked meals. We have some of the best cooks in the world and, and guides, and it's just amazing. Every they 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 love our vets. They right. love they all do. We all do, and that makes a difference. And and they share that. They say, they see it and they feel it, and that's what's important. And you know, we are Christians. Uh, not everyone that's with us is Christians, but we're Christian based. And our son was a Christian. And another thing I said that night, that afternoon, we found out he was killed. That I knew he went to heaven to be with his Lord. So that's a key thing for our survival. Um, and being in the outdoors, of course, is a great way to get out and heal. Absolutely. So what are some of the, the, the different events? I know you guys just did a very big one in Wisconsin, the sturgeon fishing and all that good stuff. So what are some of the events and the things that take place at House in the Woods? Yeah, well, the next one we have is we're actually going to go to Florida here Saturday. We're leaving to go on a gator hunt for about eight, eight or so vets. Be our first trip ever, and it's going to be a, a good trip. A lot of the veterans are from down in that area. Um, it's going to be a new new experience for the ones that have never done it. I've never done it. I'm just going to go probably hang out and watch, help any way I can. But primarily, we do most of it here. We By lottery, we do moose hunts. Uh, if somebody gets draw, drawn and they want to donate one, like last year we had uh, three different ones that were donated, and two guys, two of them got bulls and one got a cow. Um that's a once in a lifetime hunt for a lot of people. Uh, right. We do bear hunting. Yeah, we do bear hunting. We'll have uh, 36 bats in the first and second week of bear season that we're going to do. Um, wow. Yeah. And it's, it's just the atmosphere. And when the guys go out in the woods and they, whether they, they might see a moose, might see a deer, might see a bear or shoot at a bear or miss one or, or harvest one. And if they harvest one, uh, they they come in with the band. Everybody hovers around and laughing and joking. They tell their story. And, and you being a veteran too yourself, you know that camaraderie is so essential, so important to have. Um, and and then we do uh, rabbit hunts, so bobcat hunts, turkey, partridge, deer hunting, and some fishing trips. We do. We go to Oswego, New York, Lake Ontario every year, and down on the Kennebec striper fishing. Um, so we try to do a variety. We're going to have a UTV ride coming up in June for a dozen, I think 15 veterans. So anybody wants to bring the UTV and take a veteran with them, it's going to be a nice ride along the river and have a little picnic there out in the woods and just, just do something a little different, just getting out. And, uh, it's the whole atmosphere. It's really neat. We have a clay thrower. At the lodge, we take up in the middle of the field. And they shoot clays in the morning, for example, if they want to. So we try to, and a lot of it is in the mornings. If they don't want to, they sit around, drink coffee, shoot the breeze, um, go under the tent and be outside. So it's a very relaxed. There's no pressure. We don't have counselors. So they have time to reflect and 
they want to go to their room, take a nap, you know, they can. If they want to sit and drink coffee in the morning, half the morning, they can, whatever. So there's no pressure. Awesome. That is definitely, it's, it's the perfect scenario because typically vets or anyone that's been through anything traumatic, you're so regimented into wake up, get after it. You know, so being able to get there and disconnect and have that option to go, hey, I really don't want to get up at 430 and go out. I just want to kind of sleep and relax, get comfortable, and then we'll take it on in the afternoon. You know, it it's a it's a mind reset. So it gives them that chance to break down and get a clear head before they go out to, you know, get after it and do the busy work. Yeah. And I tell the guys, too, if they don't want to shoot an animal, uh, bring your camera. Yep. No, you don't have to harvest an animal. And we've had guys that that did that. They didn't. They had a gun with them and they couldn't pull the trigger. And I said, that's fine. I said, this is about you. So. Yep. And, do you think that you had or have had one of those moments when like this at all, you know, you in 2010, you had got your certification. And then after that, there was that one moment that was like, like, like I made it moment or like one of those like memorable times where you're like, I'm so glad that I do this. Oh, it's multiple moments. Um, I was glad when we received the letter because we've been working on it for a couple of years with a lawyer and we got rejected twice by the IRS. So how that happened is we hired a lawyer. We met with her, sent, she sent the paperwork in. It got rejected. We did it over again. She sent it in and got rejected again. This was a 10 month period. Finally, I had had enough of the political aspect of it. And I called the IRS myself, which was in California. And I just said, you know, after three or four phone calls and my lawyer said, I don't want you calling her again. Well, I ain't paying no attention to that. <laughs> <laughs> so, <That's a> anyway, <laughs> yeah. So uh, anyway, I had this last conversation with her and I says, you know what? I don't, I don't get it. I just don't understand it. She said, you don't fit the criteria. I says, I think I do. My son was killed. And all we're trying to do is help men and women that serve our country. And finally, I think she got frustrated with me and directed me to her boss. And I left the message. Uh, and then two weeks later, I received a call back from him. And I told him my story. And he said, listen, I'm a 20 plus year veteran. I'm going to help you get your nonprofit status. And we had a letter within three to three and a half weeks in the mail. But I, I vowed when this started that if there was a brick wall, if, if I couldn't go around it or under it, over it, I'd go through it somehow. Absolutely. And I have been told, I've even told people that, Hey, if we don't get certified as a nonprofit, I'm still going to do it. So whatever. I just, it's such a passion when you lose somebody like that. Um, I want to honor my son. I want to honor all the veterans and, and Gold Star families because Absolutely. they deserve it. And the drive, and it's still here. It hasn't changed. As a matter of fact, when you have things happen and see miracles like we have, and we've literally seen miracles, boy, I'll tell you, talk about some inspirational. When you see something happen way bigger than I am and that we are, it's phenomenal. Well, the whole thing, if you ask me, started with the miracle to begin with. Because how many people get to be the people bugging the IRS instead of the other way around? 
and win. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I so. was not, to be honest, I was at the boiling point okay. where, <laughs> you know, enough is enough. And, you know, if you don't approve it, then we'll, we'll do it yep. anyway. So. And that's the thing is it's the head down, nose to the grindstone. This is going to happen whether you like it or not. And it's right. that mentality where a lot of people by the second try would have just, you know, okay, what's next? How do we, what do we do different? And like you said, you just threw the wall and you made it happen. Well, we met with the governor prior to getting a nonprofit. I'm going to backtrack a little bit and I don't want to beat this to death, but it was a fact. So we met with the governor's office and they're wondering where we were. Well, the cabinet room is right next to his office. So we come out and the governor introduces us and the adjutant general. And anyway, um, he asked everybody there, the politicians that were there, it was probably 30 of them. He said, I want you to help Mr. House and figure this out to try to get nonprofit, give us information. So that meeting went well. We had a second one without the governor there. That went well. We had the third one when it come time for the politicians that were there who were supposed to have given us good information and do some of the work. Well, they started throwing numbers and names and they did zero work. And halfway through the meeting, just like this, I said, stop, hold everything. I said, if you don't want to help, get out of the way. Cause I said, I'm going to do it with or without you. And you could hear a pin drop for two minutes. Yep. But I, there was probably a handful of people out of all those people that helped us. And I wasn't trying to be arrogant. I wasn't trying to be mean, but it was a passion and I want to fulfill that passion. I want to honor my son and honor our men and women. And sometimes that's what it takes is grit. You get that grit with the passion and you will go forward. Well, I hate so to say it this way, but in reality, especially in these days, politicians don't know how to stand up or deal with someone with a backbone. Exactly. So you kind of narrowed that field down and said, all right, who who's here for the right reasons and who's here collecting a paycheck? And the ones that did were incredible. They helped us as all they could. And I called one a pit bull. Elizabeth Snyder, and she doesn't mind. I've told that to her face. She's now not in politics anymore, but she hounded the governor for moose tags. We were involved in that and for a year because it got rejected by Danny Martin, who was probably shouldn't throw names out, but I don't care. <laughs> but, it's a good place uh, to anyway, do it. <laughs> he was going to do it again, and the governor got wind of it because he knew what we wanted, and he called him in and said, hey, you're not going to do that. He says, you will donate six tags to the veterans. So we were instrumental in helping that process with others too were involved. But we, and so I called her a pit bull cause she, she loved the mission. She saw the value in it and she followed through and she was incredible. She did so, a great job. Elizabeth. So there, Snyder. Yeah. There's a, there's a little, there's a passion and it's there for a reason. Is there like, was there something that like when you, had hunted with your son or something that's really put that fire underneath you to make this happen so that these other veterans can enjoy it like you guys did? Yeah, I have an older son who's still with us, Luke, and my daughter was the middle and my youngest son, Joel. But yes, I'll, I last hunt together with my oldest son, Luke, and myself. And my daughter's name's Joy. If I don't say that and she hears about it, she'll get mad. <laughs> if I don't mention it. But anyway, Joel, uh, Luke and I and Joel went bear hunting for the last time. 
Um, and because we come back out of the woods and track the bear that I had wounded. And uh, we never did recover it, but it was a great time being together. Then a day, next day he had to leave to go back uh, overseas. And that was hard to see him go. And anyway, after he was killed, that was June 23rd, 2007. August came because I had, I had bear baits probably 15 miles away on dirt roads. So I drove in there and I walked in the path that he sat in, in the tree stand. I may, I forced myself to walk in that path to the stand, which was an old wooden stand laying under a great big hemlock tree. I put it in position, upright position, climbed in it and sat in it. And I cried like a baby. That was a, one of the most difficult things that I did, but I knew I had to do it. I had to face reality. And another time was here, I had his ID card, which was singed from the, the blast. And you could still smell the residue from the bomb. And I'll never forget here in our kitchen, I got on my knees with that in my hand and cried a lot. And those, those are the moments that I'll never forget. And there's others too. I've had dreams and all kinds of things, but those are moments I'll never forget. I don't want to forget them because it keeps that in my mind of his sacrifice and all the others that have sacrificed. And, and that's something a lot, I think our country has forgotten. Our government has forgotten the sacrifice that these men and women have, have given. And it shouldn't be that way. I'm not going to let it on my watch be that way. And I'm not trying to pat myself on the back. I'm not telling you this for that reason. I do it because I love our, we love our bat, we love our bats. It's not just me. It's all the volunteers, all the people that donate to keep us going, pay the, keep the lights on, keep the heat in the building. Um, it's everybody. And when people help us, I say, you're now a family member because everybody has a, a, a job to do and we may not have the finances, other people do. I may not have the skill to work in the office, but others do. So everybody can help in some form and matter. So I, I just appreciate everybody that participates. And, and it is catching on. It is catching on. So do you have a big team of people that help you out all the time, or is it? Well, uh, we, we do. Um, we have, for example, the, the bear hunt. I give that example. That's our biggest event. But every event is important, whether it be a day hunt or a three-day hunt or a seven-day hunt. I can always call these people and say, hey, the guys, can you come and help us, you know, for the day or for three days? And they're more than willing to come help. In the kitchen, there's probably 25 to 30 on a rotation. It Like the bear hunt, for example, for two weeks. They come in, some will come in for breakfast, some for lunch, some for supper, but we have three core people that are there all the time, and they're phenomenal. We have some ladies that will just cook pies, some will cook brownies, some will cook cookies, some will cook, and we have a chef, used to own her own restaurant, and she's phenomenal, Sonia. Um, and the guides are the same way. They, they volunteer, they use their own vehicles, their gas, uh, their time. To me, time is valuable. And anybody that takes the time out of their life to help says a lot about who they are. So yes, we have a great core group of people. Yeah. 
And and the, with 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 all the hunts, like when you do all those hunts, do you how do you find the veterans to be able to fill those those beds in those hunts and stuff? Well, it used to be um, we had to seek the veterans out. We, you know, we make all VFWs, legions, uh, go to a sportsman show, meet a vet. Um, one of the vets actually that's w still with us guiding. He was our first fishing retreat veteran him and his son and another soldier and he's been with us guiding ever since so he was on the first trip and he's still with us and it's phenomenal but now it's word of mouth we work with yep. about 20 organizations so we allow some of them so many you know each year to send and then now we're getting so many we're gonna have to do a rotation like our bear hunts full for 22 this year and next year's full um, and we have a list and we, we're getting anywhere from five to 10 requests a week for moose hunts, bear, bobcat, fishing, turkey, different events that people hear about us and now asking us for, for trips. So now it's between the organizations and word of mouth, it's really spreading. Um, we're we're going <laughs> to... I don't want to say we're going to have a hand so full we can't do it. We just can't help everybody. So right. we try to pick what veterans that we feel deserve to come. They all deserve to come, but the, you know the ones saying? that need it most. Yeah, that need it most. That's that's our primary goal. The ones that need it exactly. Absolutely. And we can't always pinpoint them, but we we do the best we can, and and try to find them. We've had uh, not all our veterans that come are wounded. Some are, some are not. We've had devil amputees. I, one was a Marine. He uh, went way up north. We called a moose in 200 yards, a nice big bull, and he was in our action trap chair, and he got to shoot that thing at 200 yards. Thing ran in the skidder trail, and he got to motor up with that trap chair, go right in, get his picture taken. So, you know, those are special moments, but they're all special in their own way. A rabbit hunt is special. A day rabbit hunt is special. It's, it's it's really hard to put in words, but when you're there and you see it and you see the change and you hear the stories and what some of them have been through, it's uh, very humbling. Absolutely. Very and I, I can relate. I, I've got to see a lot of that happen. Went through similar things myself. Came out, went through an organization sim similar to yours, and... It was a big factor in my being able to kind of return to reality. And it does make a difference. People on the outside really can't see it. As you're so intimate with it, you you get the whole perspective. But the outsiders, because they're not the vet, they're not intimate, it's a cool thing, but they don't understand it until they've seen it. You know, every time we get new volunteers, you know, hey, yeah, I'll come give you a hand. And by the end of it, they're going, what else can I do? Yeah. And that's the thing is, as you guys grow, hopefully the volunteer base grows with you. And you have more people lot. wanting to come in and, hey, let me see what it's about. And by the end of it, they're going to go, what more can I do? And I've got three more buddies. Yeah, exactly. So that's, and, and that that's is the thing. That is our goal to keep things rolling. Uh, you do need exactly. You need more volunteers. Need more help. And 
people are seeing that it's it's a process like you were saying it, it is a process but it's just like we had one guy that he needed to earn some money so he's doing fishing and bear guiding which is which is fine but now we've had two others that have volunteered to take his place so people are you know starting to step up to the plate but we we do need more volunteers absolutely uh, it's time to come. Well, yeah, and, and like you said, is time is valuable. So when someone donates that time, it's it's as much gold as gold is. So money is great. You can do a lot with money. But if I have a pile of money, but not the support to put it on, you don't have the personnel and everything you need, You it, it comes down to people are just as valuable as the money to make this thing happen. Exactly. 100%. You, you can always find money, right? But you find a good volunteer, you can't buy him. There's no price for that. Price. Absolutely. So, so now does the, with the state like you had before, like them donating moose tags and bear tags and stuff like that, is that still something that they do? Or is it something uh, that you guys have to? They have a hunt up in the broccoli fields, which we used to be a part of through the state. But we, you know, once we kind of swung on our own and built our lodge, we now take vets out in the woods because those hunts are good up there, but they're crop deprivation hunts, which is good, you know, but I like going out in the woods and they can spend the whole week with us. They can go bird hunting up there. It's three days, which is, again, nothing wrong with that. And it's great that vets can go do that. But uh, the bear tags, anybody can get a bear tag. Right. Yeah, moose is the only thing that we're restricted with a lottery. But if, let's say, you put in, you get drawn, you didn't want the tag, you could call me up and say, hey, I want to donate this. We'd contact the state of Maine. We'd find a, for that hunt, we we decide ourselves to pick a combat wounded vet because it's really a once, in, again, once in a lifetime hunt. And or somebody that isn't able to do a hunt on their own. Right. But every, all the other hunts and fishing trips or anybody can get a license or go do it. Does it, is, is it tough to do a combat vet? Like sometimes if they're double amputee or something or like how do you go about making that? And No, we've had them on the bear hunt and moose hunts. We have a couple action track chairs. We've done a fishing trip where guys, we drove out to Oswego, New York, and we picked them up in the wheelchair and set them in the boat. So you make it happen. Uh, we cut the trails like for bear hunting, uh, make it as smooth as we can. They can motor right in there with that track chair with a guide with them. And it's it's really not a, an issue. It's just a matter of working things out. Uh, it could be deer hunting too, uh, blinds. You know, you could use blinds. Uh, even bird hunting, um, you can do the same thing. We, we don't have too many or we haven't that are restricted like that. We've had devil amputees that won't use a wheelchair. They'll, they'll walk. Yep. Um, I had one that, um, I cut a stick for him, devil amputee. And then he held onto my shoulder and we walked to the tree stand. There was a big rock next to the tree stand. He pulls his prosthetics off. I take him, lean him up against the hemlock tree and he's close enough in that, on that big rock to the tree stand. He pulls himself over and climbs the tree himself. Yep. So you talk about being inspirational and watch that is is something to see. Yep. 
you don't really have much to complain about after watching them do something like that, right? You wake up with a backache and you're like, yeah, well. (laughs) (laughs) And that is true. That's so true. And you try to share that with people, say, you know, like you just said, you think you had a bad day, you lost your phone or something happened. That's not a bad day. Bad day is when you things happen the way they went through, you you know, the veterans that have gone through and survived and now look at them. Well, and that that's the big thing. We always had a, a kind of a saying that went with it. As you can see these guys who've been through absolute hell and they get up every morning with a smile on their face and they're the happiest people you ever knew yeah. because they want to prove to the world that they're not handicapped, they're handy capable. Yeah. Yeah, that hey, it's amazing what they do. Uh, I've seen it. It's phenomenal. And nothing to complain about the gentleman that had got us kind of con- connected was uh aaron ritter and he he is something else also an amputee and everything like that like talk about inspirational he's one of those guys that like you're like wow man like you you don't have a leg but you still climb a tree stand you still saddle hunt you get after it you go hunting all over i mean he's something else man like you think you had a bad day there is no such thing as a bad day, man. Like, unless you're not here. I mean, that's the only thing it could be a bad day, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. It's true. And if you can see that and witness it, it's even, it's it's great to hear about it. But when you witness it and see it and talk to them, it's, it's uh, you don't forget that stuff. You, you just don't. It sticks with you. And, and that drives you to want to do more. The more we do this, the more we want to do it. Absolutely. Can't do enough. <laughs> right. It, it, you can never, you, you feel like you can't do enough. Right. You want to do more all the time, whether or not you can. Yeah. And I, I completely get that. Um, yeah. Now, with, you've had quite the vast number of vets come through. Out of them, do you have any favorite? hunts or trips or outings of any type the ones that just snapped to your mind something funny happened or you know this was just amazing i i it just hard you can't top it type situations well the course, the first one is is special i was telling you about this guy al and his son and marlon first ever trip i'll never forget that trip and al's still with us one was this past year one of our guides mike Thurlow, um, we had a cow hunt for a veteran, and I kind of let him, you know, take the lead. He's a guide, good hunter. Um, me and Angie sat in the back seat. He's with the vet up front, and his his son Ty also helped Mike's son. So here we are on the third day. We have a six day hunt. We have about ten to maybe fifteen minutes left. We're driving out to head back to the to the house we're staying in, way up north, and they see a cow. They get out, he shoots it, and as they're walking to approach the animal to see where it went in the woods, he puts they, he, each other, they hug each other. He puts his, they put their arms around each other, and it's like, that's what it's about. That's what it's about. He's a father figure to him, and he just did something he's never done before, and he's special. We treated him, I say special, he's our guest, right? 
we're going to give him the best of what we have. And to see that, that's a bond there. And he'll never, that, that veteran will never forget that. Never. He'll never forget that. And those, those are things like that. And I've had others too, a lot of them actually, that we had a vet that maybe Angie shared it, but two years ago, he was here for the week of bear hunting. The two big glass doors where he was going to get ready to exit the building. There's a bunch of us standing there in the foyer. Before he goes out through the door, he turns and says, this, this week has done more for me than 20 years of therapy. That tells a, a big story. Absolutely. And another soldier was there. He said the next morning, he was there the first day, next morning, he'd come a day early, I guess. He got out and come in the great room where we eat and stuff, and he said, this is the first time I've slept for eight hours in a year. Those are moments you don't, you don't forget. It's not all about when they harvest the animal, although it can be, like the first one I described, but it's that bond, it's that. And people tell us this, and, this is God's work, all right? I tell people that because there are things that happen that I cannot justify. I can't wrap my head around it. But God does. And I, I tell my guides, I said, I said, when you go out and you're baiting, don't worry about the flies, the cold, the rain, wind, whatever. Focus on the end result and, and you're going to be helping somebody. You're going to see them laugh. You're going to see them smile. That's what I look at. I don't worry about what it takes to get there. It's We're going to get there. It's look at the end result. You keep your eye on that end result. And, and these things won't matter. So what if the flies are out and you're alive and it, it's rainy and, and cold and wet and muddy? So what? That's a small sacrifice to somebody that's gone overseas and fought for our freedom. These soldiers really... There were soldiers that really got into you, huh? <laughs> like, and I say that I say that lately. Like, I say yeah. that because they they they've yeah. really put that that drive yeah. and that passion in your heart. That there is no bad day, there is no nothing like that, and and you have instilled that in yourself. And now now sending that message down the line to have that type of operation where it doesn't matter. Like. We're gonna have a good end result. We're gonna have a good day. We're gonna we're gonna kill something. We're gonna, and it's amazing. It, it really, truly, honestly, is amazing to see it see it in your face. And it's well, it's something I always wanted, and it it's like anything. It takes a while for something like this to resonate, I guess, out to people or radiate out to people, and it's been happening and. I feel, again, very humble. I'm an ambassador for Christ, right? I'm just doing God's work. It's it's not me. And, yeah, I've seen a lot of miracles. And it's, it's just, that's inspirational. We've had a couple of years in a row that we were ready to lose all our insurance. We had a couple thousand dollars, maybe 2,500 in our checking account. We had a down payment due on our insurance within a few days and we were going to lose everything. And I told them, I said, well, it's up to God now. I said, we've done everything. We've, we've worked hard. We've done everything we can. We get a call from somebody and says, I, I usually will give this money 
in June, but I'm going to give it to you before that. It was a check for like 11,000. We got another check in the mail within a week of that one from a nonprofit in another state. We had we no idea who it was for 15,000. And about a week or so later, we got another check from somebody who we did know for 10,000. It just blows your mind. And we were that close to losing our insurance on our building. You can't have a program if you don't have insurance. Right. They'll shut it down. This happened, yeah, this happened two years in a row. But we stuck with it. We trusted God. And I don't doubt him. I just, I don't worry about that stuff. You just, you just keep focused on the mission and have the passion. And it'll, as long as you're doing the right thing, it'll fall into place. So what kind of what's kind of the, the future for House in the Woods and kind of what do you guys have forward and what's kind of like your dreams of of what you want it to become in the future? Well, I want it to stay on the same level. I know we're going to grow, but I never want to get to the point where I we can't sit down and talk to every veteran on a, in a personal way. Never want to grow the retreats so big that you can't go say, hey, so and so you know, let's sit down and talk if they want to, you know, just casual conversation. You get to know everybody. So that part, I want to stay the same. And as far as the program, um, we want to be able to do more, uh, obviously do more trips. Um, maybe in the future we can help pay for airfare, meat processing, taxidermy, that type of thing we have on occasion. Uh, we've asked for sponsorship in some of those occasions, but we, we would like someday to be able to pay, pay all of that in full and buy all their licenses. On, like I say, on occasions, if they really can't afford it, we'll buy the license, we'll get a plane ticket, we'll, we'll find a way. But if we'd like to do it for everybody in the future. So and we're trying to build an endowment, an eight to $10 million endowment. So, the longevity of House and Woods will be here. So if somebody was to want to get involved, if there's a guide that's listening or somebody or just a helpful hand to go up for a couple of days, or how would somebody get a hold of you to try and do such a thing? They just go to our website, which is houseinthewoods.org. You'll see my phone number on there and Angie's phone number. Uh, just either shoot, you'll see emails on there, shoot us an email or, or a phone call. We'd be more than glad to talk and see where that individual's at and how they want to help and you know when they want to help and that that would be a great thing if if people would love to volunteer and even like you said even if it's for a day or two days uh, or you know it, it doesn't have to be a full week uh, they may want to help bear bait they may want to help uh, around the building cleaning up in the spring there's always stuff to do there's, there's plenty of things to do to keep busy. So we, we have one last question for you before we let you go. And, and it's when we ask everybody and I, I'm, I'm almost kind of afraid to ask this one, Steve. I, I, I wouldn't say afraid. <laughs> I, I would say, I, I think this will have a, a different outlook than our typical response. So, so us being the outdoor drive, we always, the, our, our last question, our closing question is, what drives you outdoors? So, Mr. House, what drives you outdoors? Well, 
first and foremost, it's, I'll say this, I grew up with a big family, all right? My mom had 15 kids. My parents didn't have much money, right? We knew the value of, you know, a good home, having plenty to eat, grew our own food, our own beef, our own chickens, our own eggs, own milk. We had everything. My dad wasn't a big hunter, but he used to take us hunting. And I'll never forget the days he did in fishing. And that's always stayed with me. And then after losing my son and spending time with him in the woods, that in itself has been a driving force in my life and being in the outdoors even more. And of course, wanting to share that and share it with others that, that are in need. But to begin with, my, my son is my driving force. To me, if I didn't do something, it'd be a dishonor to his life and a dishonor to all the men and women that have, that are serving, served in the past and have given the ultimate sacrifice. So I know that's kind of a, a roundabout way, but that driving force is something I can't really put in words. And that's There's something there that you think you're out of gas, you're driving your vehicle, you think you're out of gas. I'm going to push it to the gas station, right? If I'm going to get it one way or the other, I want to push it to the gas station. And that's how I feel when I'm so tired that I can barely stand up, that I'm going to keep pushing because I know the end result is good. And that's the driving force for me. I love the outdoors, always have, but now I love it even more. That's outstanding. So one thing I did want to touch on before we cut off is what was your son's name and rank? Posthumously, he was promoted to sergeant. Um, yeah, he, his name is Joel, Joel A. House, Sergeant Joel A. House. If you look him up, you'll see all kinds of stuff about him. But uh, he was very quiet, very humble, didn't say much. But when he spoke, people listened. He was a hard worker. He knew the value of life. And uh, he was a good man, good son, good soldier. And he did his job, and he went above and beyond his job. Well, we certainly appreciate his service as well as his sacrifice. It's, uh, it's real Thank close to home for me. And uh, we're, we're proud that we were able to bring you on here and, and share his story as well as your story. Because, like you said, I think it's something that's being forgotten these days. So anytime we can bring it back up and remind people, go out there and familiarize yourself with one of the fallen. And this is a great place to start. Well, I appreciate the kind words. And you're going to have to sign up for one of our event, one of our retreats. Well... I, I may come up there and just give you a hand. How's that? That, that sounds great. Bear baiting is a great way to get your hands dirty and get out there and see a pot of Maine that you've never seen before. That is true. I have not seen that far north. so You might even see a moose, maybe. Well, we'll just have to look into that. I think that would be a, a great chance to come up and visit and be able to give back and do something good. Yeah, yeah so. I'm serious. If, uh you're not doing anything for the month of August or even come out for a few days or a week, whatever. Come on up. We'll feed you and take care of you. Well, we greatly appreciate that. Outside of your website, is there anywhere else that anyone can follow along, social media or anything of that nature? Uh, 
Well, we're on Facebook, of course. Okay. But, you know, we are working on uh, a lot of advertising. We are here probably this summer sometime. We're going to be advertising on the Pursuit Channel. So look Wonderful. for that. Um, we have a big fundraiser coming up, a radio station. Three or five of them actually can do a fundraiser, too, coming up in June. They're going to do a three-week-long fundraiser. And so listen to the radio um, events like that. So primarily, a lot of it's word of mouth. But we're trying to get more visibility so we can help more veterans and be aware of what, what's going on and how we can help. So we're working our, goal, our way towards more awareness um, in a broader scope trying to reach more people in different places we haven't been able to do before, even towards the West Coast, uh, trying to reach out that way too. So, Outstanding. Well, we hope we can add to that and get some word spread, reach some of that new area that you're looking for. And for everybody listening, I highly, highly recommend, if you, you want to do something outdoors that's special and meaningful, Look them up. Find out how you can give them a hand. It, it's it's something you'll never be able to experience any other way. So my advice, look them up. Get familiar. Do what you can because it goes a long ways for a lot of our servicemen and women. And uh, we're just going to go ahead and call it there. And thank you guys for taking the ride right here on the Outdoor Drive. <laughs>